0: I hope that uh, you find yourself stirred with at least a little bit of excitement about what you're hearing in uh, this vision, uh, because your engagement with this conversation is the most important part of the start of this journey together. I want to personally extend an invitation for you to go on this journey with us, to take an opportunity at this moment in your own personal pilgrimage through life to think about your discipleship. Uh, to seek to raise your faith, to reflect on the way your stewardship, the management of all of the resources of your life, uh, is being used for God's purposes and to experience in a fresh way what we are terming the grace uh, power of God, the gravity-defying grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it was, as Tara Beth mentioned, about seven years ago now that we uh, entered into a conversation like this the last time. At that particular moment, there was no uh, Christchurch Butterfield. didn't didn't exist. wasn't even a twinkle, uh, really, except in our eye at that moment. Uh, this uh, auditorium that we're siti- seated in here today was a pond. I would have actually been up to my chest in the in water uh, at that time. Uh, the atrium didn't exist. The remodeled uh, Narthex didn't exist. We had not yet invested in the renovation and renewal of some incredible schools in Kenya. We had not yet to, to provide the funding needed to help lift an under-resourced uh, uh, community in the Roosevelt Road area and provide mentoring and encouragement for kids and families there. Uh, we as a church had, had not even really developed a state-of-the-art live stream ministry or dreamed at that moment of how desperately that would be needed when a global pandemic suddenly fell upon us. Hundreds, I mean hundreds upon hundreds, of people who now call Christ Church their spiritual home had not yet come into our life. And dozens upon dozens of people who are now really influential leaders in the life of our church family had not yet risen up. All of the miracles of grace that then got poured out did not just happen. They didn't just drop from the sky. They happened because we very intentionally entered into a series of conversations. Some of them, I'll be honest with you, uh, controversial and, and uncomfortable conversations about the priorities of our life, about the way we use our resources, about how much we're really available to the Lord Uh, And it was because a group of people back then uh, were willing to take root more deeply in Christ for the sake of others that so many of the blessings that have now uh, become a natural part, it seems, of our church's life uh, unfolded. Well, I'm inviting you into that kind of a conversation again. For some of you, this will be for the very first time that you've really uh, thought at the level that we're going to be inviting you to. And for others of us, we'll be doing it again. We'll be uh, recognizing that the Christian life is an ongoing journey and we'll be opening ourselves afresh to what God would say to us about our discipleship, about our faith, about our stewardship, again, the management of our resources, and all for the purposes of helping to lift 10,000 people toward their God-given potential in these years to come. Uh, I am just so excited to have you on that journey. But I also want to just mark the reality that, that, that to go on that journey uh, requires a commitment from you. To have you in this conversation, uh, as Tara Beth mentioned earlier, Uh, is going to be so important so that we are asking you to make actually a commitment to being here for the conversation, to being present personally or online for each of the next five weeks as we explore the scriptures and unpack what God's word has to say to us uh, about life. And so I'm asking you, will you make the commitment to being part of this for these next five weeks. I know for me personally, I can make that kind of commitment to the NFL. I do make that commitment to Yellowstone. How much more important for our own faith development or for the life of our church family or for the incredible influence that God wants us to have in the world, how much more important is this particular commitment? So I'm just asking you to, to, to do that. I also want to acknowledge that that um, it helps to be given assistance in the process of exploring these things. And for that reason, we put together a wonderful little resource booklet for you. And I want to invite the ushers at this time to to pass those booklets out. We have not wanted them to be a distraction uh, up to this point, but we do wanna put these booklets in your hands because they will provide you with a a wonderful uh, set of resources for understanding more clearly what it is that we're seeking to do with the LIFT Initiative uh, for uh, answering some of the questions that you probably have about this whole enterprise. Uh, this booklet that we're giving out is going to provide you with a guide to the messages that we'll be giving in the series and the scripture text there. You'll find this booklet useful to you in the lift small groups that we're going to be sponsoring these next several weeks. Make this booklet your own. You know, Write your name on it. Uh, write in it. Take notes in it. Um, if you're online with us today, you, we're giving you a link to a digital version of this booklet so you can begin to see what it is we have in mind. And if you can stop by one of our campuses in the days to come, we'll give you a physical copy of that booklet. It's meant to be a really helpful guide for you and a record of your own spiritual journeying over these next um, several, several weeks. Uh, so we just hope that you'll be getting those and enjoying those resources um, as we pass them out to you. Uh, right now, what I'd like to do um, though is just underline one last piece of, of what you're finding in those booklets as you open them up, and that is uh, this uh, commitment card. Uh, this is a resource that we hope you will begin to pray over as we go on this journey together. Uh, that, you will, that you will be asking God, just starting now, Lord, what is it that you would want to do through my life? To help lift others in your name in the days to come, to lift my own discipleship and faith as well. Uh, I know Amy and I are already you know, working this, starting to, to work this through. We've had conversations about our, our, our resources. And I want to just invite you to be praying about this. How would God use you? How would he use your, your current capacity, what you got maybe you have stored in the barn to be part of the wonderful things that he wants to do. Uh, in the lives of others and in our own lives as we go on this particular journey. So my question today is, will you commit today to at least making a commitment eventually towards this initiative? Will you make that commitment? You don't, you don't have to tell me what level that is. That's, only God knows what that is today. But will you make the commitment that you will commit at some point? Our goal is that 100% of the congregation, I don't mean just members, I mean any of us that call Christ Church our spiritual home, will have the joy of being part of this. Because I hope that you're gonna be able to look back a few years from now when we've seen all kinds of amazing fruit from this investment, and you're gonna be able to say, Jesus used me to make that possible. That wasn't something that just got put on. That was something that I helped make possible. So. That's my invitation to you today. Be part of this incredible venture of our church's life. At this point, I want to welcome you to take that booklet you've got, or if you've got access to it now online, and go to page 20, if you would. Uh, You'll find there some notes for our conversation today. Um, And, uh, oh, one last thing. I do want to extend an invitation. If you find yourself um, really touched by God with clarity about the role you think he does want you to play, you would be welcome to join with some of the other leaders of our church's life at what we're calling Advanced Commitment Night. On January the 27th, that's a Friday, we're going to be gathering here in the building for a very special worship event in which those of us who are uh, leaders and, and key stakeholders of the church will, will go first. We'll, we'll, we'll try and model the behavior we're hoping will be uh, taken on by everybody in the church's life. Uh, and, and if God stirs you between now and the 27th of January, uh, that maybe I should be part of that. Maybe I want to play that kind of leadership role at whatever level of, of support. Um, please know you're welcome there. This is not an exclusive event, and you can uh, sign up at the lifttogether.us website or, or by going to one of the lift hubs in our buildings. Uh, we would love to have you uh, part of that conversation. So before we jump into our Bible study this morning, uh, let me just invite us to bow, bow for a moment as we come before God in prayer. Our gracious God, we just are intentionally opening our hearts and our minds and indeed the whole of our lives to you in this season to come. And we ask that you would speak to us through your word and by the very power of your Holy Spirit for it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Last week our preachers uh, opened up a a little story from the gospel according to Mark and took us through it. I wanna go back to that story very purposefully again today. Uh, go perhaps a little further with it and, and take a different angle on it that I hope you'll find helpful. So if you have your own Bibles with you, you might enjoy turning to Mark chapter two. We're gonna look at verses one through 12. And again, page 20, you'll find resources in your Lyft booklet to help Uh, with this conversation. Hear with me, if you would, the word of God. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, and by the way, Capernaum was a a village located at the very top of the lake known as the Sea of Galilee, right at the northernmost part. It was the place where the apostle Peter apparently lived, and Jesus and his disciples and the kind of... uh, 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 the early church was, was gathering in this location quite often. So the text says again, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And Jesus preached the word to them. I want to pause there and just really take you inside of that scene with your imagination. And I'll tell you that I had an experience some years back that have forever helped illuminate this scene in my own mind. I was in Beijing, China, with a couple of of the members of this church. We were going to visit, visit some of our mission partners in that part of the world. And we got out of a taxi cab on a busy street in Beijing, and we met the individual who was to become our escort for the day. He took us off of the major avenue and down a side street that was just brimming with food stands and vendors of various kinds. And then he cut us over onto an even narrower street, and we went down that winding street and eventually into an alleyway that was uh, between these low-slung concrete buildings. And now it got really close in this environment, and we were stepping around crates with chickens and other animals in them and who knows what, and we were ducking underneath hanging laundry that was strung across the alleyway and all of a sudden we got to a part of the alley that was blocked by a throng of people who were apparently listening to someone. We could hear a voice from inside of a building. Well, we got... Uh, Close to this gaggle of people and we looked inside and we could see that just inside the window there was sort of this chamber, this sort of foyer and then beyond that a larger room and the whole scene was illuminated by only a single strand of cord that hung down with a naked light bulb that lit up the faces of what must have been maybe 70 or 80 people packing the room. And they were all looking towards the front where an individual stood and was speaking from an open Bible. There were fathers and mothers there with kids on their lap, some bouncing up and down, some sleeping, some nursing. There was wizened-faced, crinkly-faced old people sitting on these little stools, There were teenagers and young adults lined up around the wall, standing up, because there wasn't seating there. They just stood for the whole time. There was this huge crowd of people sort of hanging into the window and into the door and then filling the alleyway outside of this, this little house. It was just an amazing scene. I mean, you couldn't, it was packed so tightly, you could not tell whose elbow and whose knee belonged to whom. And I thought to myself, the body of Christ on the other side of the planet from where I live and where I experience church, here it is again. This intimate, multi-generational, vital community of people. And I thought to myself, they were experiencing so much of what I experience in my own spiritual journey and then so much that I don't really experience because there was a huge risk factor to these people even being there. I mean, these people could have so easily have been arrested for actually being there in what was an illegal church. You know, they could have been been hauled away, they could have been publicly shamed, they could have been uh, thrown in jail, they could have been tortured or even killed for just being there in that place, and yet, to that place they came, as I later un- came to know, actually a couple of times a week they came like this. Um, why did they do it? Well, well, I came to know from the conversations that I had through our interpreter that they came because they, they were looking for something that nourished their spiritual life and lifted them up. They were trying to find a real community of love and inspiration in which they would raise their children with a better kind of character. They were, they were fascinated by the values and the vision of the kingdom of God that Jesus talked about, which seemed to them so much more beautiful than the, than the kind of empire that was always being pressed down upon them in the life of their nation. They came to that place because they were longing to, to meet a grace that could help them when, when, when they were anxious, when they were depressed, when they were going through terrible losses, when they were struggling to find meaning, they were looking for guidance. They wanted that, uh, the power of God that lifts people up in those circumstances. And when their bodies were getting older and when they knew they were facing death, they were looking for belief, for reason, for hope from a God with the power to lift people even after they die. We might say today, they were looking for the grace that is greater than the gravity of life. So it was in that house church in Beijing, so it was in that house church in Capernaum, And so it is, so it is, I hope, in the life of this house, your house, our church, as Jesus preaches the word to us. Why do you come here? (laughs) I mean, why do you do it? You have lots of other places you could go. Uh, lots of other things you could be pouring your energy into. Why do you come to gather with others in this kind of environment? I'm hoping and praying it's in no small part because you have found in this community of faith a grace that, that lifts you up when the heavy things of life press you down. And I'm praying that you've had enough experiences of this that you've made that shift from being just a fan of Jesus to actually being a follower of Jesus. You've gone from just admiring Jesus to actually trying to imitate Jesus. You've gone from just sort of learning about Jesus to actually trying to put into practice the things that Jesus asks you to do. I pray that you're one of those people that is now letting him lead you in times of conflict, in, in times of pride, you know, in times when you're trying to figure out, do I buy this or do I buy, invest the monies there? I hope that you're in the process of following Jesus now for life. Um, because that followership is, as I'll say more in a moment, is just the key to almost everything else that's good in the Christian life. Everything else that allows us to be a profound influence to other people in the Christian life. I pray that you're like those folks in Beijing or at Capernaum who are willing to rearrange your patterns, your affairs, your attitudes, your political viewpoints in conformity with where Jesus leads you. I pray that you're a follower of him. I think what really blew me away that day in uh, Beijing was the heart of the followers (laughs) that I met there. Uh, I think that was particularly impressive to me because as my friends and I were standing outside of the, um, of, of the house, um, folks began to notice that these people uh, had, ar- we had ar- ar- arrived at this location and they, they lit up actually. They kind of looked at us with joy and love in their faces and they beckoned us forward and we thought, oh, well, we can't do that. There's like, that, there's no room in that place. And really, there was no apparent room in that place. They had all gotten there early. They had taken the good seats. They had gotten the spots that they deserved. We were latecomers. We we didn't know how to speak their language. We didn't know all of their customs. We were outsiders. They They were clearly family. We had nothing that we could offer to them. And yet, they looked at us with love, and they reached out to us, and they put their hands on us, and they lifted us, literally. They crowd surfaced, surfed us. They crowd surfed us. I mean, every now and then, a foot would touch down in a little crack between two people. But we were largely carried by these people all the way to the front of the room, to the place where the guy with the Bible was standing, because they wanted us to be at the feet of Jesus. They wanted us to experience the lift that they knew and that only Jesus can really give. That has remained for me an incandescent image of what the church is meant to be about everywhere it meets. And and it was just such a wonderful, wonderful uh, vision that I wanted to replicate uh, every Uh, way that I know how after that experience. So I want you to think about that image with me, if you would, of this body of believers lifting people toward Jesus as we go through the whole conversation of these next weeks. But let me take us back to the scripture from Mark's gospel today. The text goes on to say, some men came bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man carried by four of them. so men came to Jesus, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Now, there's a lot in that single verse. There are these four guys, first of all, who clearly know somebody who is weighed down in a way that he is not able to get up on his own. And that is the truth. There are people in this world that are, that are weighed down In significant ways that keep them from ever rising to their full potential without somebody else coming alongside them and helping. Now, we don't know how this guy got paralyzed. Um, We don't know whether he was born that way. Uh, We don't know whether it was his fault. Maybe he got drunk and he rolled off a roof and Fell to the ground and he brought this upon himself. Maybe it was somebody else's fault. Maybe he was just crossing the street when some uh, uh, chariot driver came racing by and slammed into him because they weren't paying attention. I don't think they were texting in those days. But you get the idea. We don't know. And apparently, how the guy got this way is not a really big concern of the scriptures or of these four guys. Their main concern is, how do we take that guy who's, who's been pressed down in this way and help him up? How do we lift him to his God-given potential? That's the passion of these four people. Their friend is dealing with an unusual kind of gravity. They know he needs an unusual kind of grace, and they know somebody that supplies that kind of grace. And his name is Jesus. And so... They don't just talk about the need. They reach out to him. They stoop down. They grab the corners of the mat and they do what? They lift. They lift together this particular individual and then they journey with him towards Jesus. Now, we don't know how long the walk was. If you've ever tried to carry, effectively, dead weight, you know that it's hard work, um, and it's, it's a hot climate. Um, but we know that they just set off to find Jesus. And, and if you think of, uh, about the people in your life who have, have carried you, uh, who have been willing to go the distance with you, Um, give thanks for them right now. Give thanks for all of the people that help you go where you couldn't have gone on your own uh, as we tell this story. Uh, So these guys are carrying the man, and and then they come to the equivalent of um, of that Beijing alleyway. They come to the equivalent of the same scene, there's just a, a, a house that's now overspilled with people and the way is blocked and the Bible says that since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they dumped him on the ground. They shrugged and walked away saying, hey, we tried. Hey, we went at least this far hey, you can only do so much sometimes. You remember that part of the story? No, you don't, because it's not in the story. Here's what the story says. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Oh, thank goodness there was an elevator up to the roof. No, there was no elevator up to the roof. There was likely a staircase. The Middle Eastern homes in the first century had these staircases that would go up to the roof because you'd sleep up there sometimes when it was hot. When it was hot and you wanted the breezes. But you can just imagine these guys. Now they're taking the mat, this very, very heavy weight. They're already tired from carrying him who knows how far already. And you can just see them struggling up the steps one at a time, trying not to drop him, trying not to fall over the back of the stairs and wind up as paralytics themselves. And then they get up to the top of the roof and they go across and, and somehow they figure out a way to break through either the tiles or the plaster surface that would have been on the top of a Middle Eastern roof and then they start to dig through the thatch. They start pulling apart the thatch. And, and that's a lot of work because to make a hole large enough to get a guy through and you can't tip him vertically, you need to take him horizontally through this, they had to have worked for a long time to make a hole large enough. And then they lower this guy ever so gently down to the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says, my favorite part here, when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, as our preachers observed last week, that's kind of strange. He didn't come here for that purpose, he came to be healed physically. But it was a great reminder that sometimes what paralyzes us most has to do with our heart, our soul sometimes what paralyzes us most from rising to our God-given potential are the things we hold inside, the guilt, the anger, the anxiety, the grief, the selfishness, the pride, the envy, you know. Sometimes in order for us to really be able to rise to be able to handle with greater strength all of the other pressures of life that we need to be able to lift up against. Sometimes to do that, we just need spiritual transformation at the core. We need the amazing grace that forgives our sins and fills us with power for new life. And if you've come to this place today and you've not said, Lord, come in and do that in me, Forgive my sins, fill me with your power, I invite you, do that right now. Ask him to do that right now and Jesus will forgive you as assuredly and fill you as assuredly as he did this man. And then Jesus goes on and says, recognizing I guess maybe the skepticism or confusion in the crowd, he says, just so you know that I actually have the power to do that kind of spiritual lift in somebody. The text says, he said to the man, I tell you, take up or get up, take up your mat and go home. And the scripture says, the man got up, took up his mat and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone and they praise God, saying, We've never seen anything like this. I would love to produce that effect on the people around us in these days to come as they watch the lifting power of God, transforming our hearts, renewing our our commitments to lift other people, changing life for the good for the people that we lay hands on together. So what's what's the real application here? What do you think this story that I've been telling you really has to do with the LIFT initiative that we're launching today? Well, let me just suggest a couple of simple ideas and then I'll let you go on your way. First, there are a lot of people feeling the weight of sin and the gravity and heaviness of life these days. Uh, You know them. They're in your family. Uh, They're they're in your neighborhood. They're in your school. They're in your workplace. Uh, They may be in your skin. There are a lot of people feeling the heaviness of life these days. There are kids who need guidance. There are relationships that need renewing. Uh, Depression and anxiety and addiction are at all-time highs. Mental health struggles of many, many kinds in our world today at unprecedented levels. There are families with special needs that really need help to deal with the pressures that they're facing. Uh, We've got um, mission partners that, that just... Uh, desperately hungry. They've got the heart, they just need the resources to really go further in ministering to the people in their areas. We want to lift the quality of our ministries, the campuses that we do these ministries from. And the good news is there is supernatural grace for these needs. There is. Jesus has the grace. But Christ continues to work through actual bodies. Christ continues to work through the faith of people who follow him. Uh, This has been the story since the start of the church. Christ works through specific human hands who who, who don't give up when the going gets hard, who who, who don't say when they get to the, the clogged alleyway, enough, who don't say, oh, I did it back then, who don't say, I'm sure somebody else will take care of it. No, the grace moves through people who resolve, even when it's hard to do it, to lift together, to exercise more faith and compassion when it is so needed. So we have set some really big, hairy, audacious goals for this initiative, let me not deceive you, not as big a goal as we did for Take Root, but big enough, given these current economic times, big enough. And it's going to require everyone laying their hands on the mat in a sense to perform the lift that we're seeking to perform in these days to come. So let me just close, if I may, with an image that we're going to return to in this series a few times. And the good thing about this image is it's a visual aid you will have with you everywhere you go. Raise your hand, just like this. Don't go high. Just right here is good enough. Yeah. Now just look. Think of these as like the five fingers of faith. There are five fingers of faith which when we exercise them enable us to lift in a remarkable way our own discipleship and other people. And and the first and most important of the five fingers of faith is this one. You can grab your thumb. This is the finger of faith by which you say, I will follow you, Jesus. I will follow you. When you stir me to go there, you stir me to, to do this. When you challenge and convict me that this is what you would like me to be part of, Jesus, You can count on me. I will follow. I will not just be a fan. I I will be a follower. So I'm inviting you today to take that first step, to exercise that first finger of faith, and just say, Jesus, when you show me the role you want me to play in this whole lift thing in the days to come, I'm in. I will do that. And you can dare... You can dare to make that promise because Jesus only wants to take you to wonderful places. (laughs) Jesus only wants you to know the joy of what he can do through your life. Jesus only wants you to experience the immense satisfaction of being part of an amazing movement in the lives of other people for good. You can trust Jesus in following him because he has a grace that is greater than the gravity of life. Please pray with me. God, thank you for the privilege of being your stretcher bearers, your mat lifters. Thank you that you have given us lives, hands, capacity that can be such a blessing in this world that needs the grace that you provide. Uh, So bind us to you more closely through these days to come. Uh, Connect us even more wonderfully with the life of these dear brothers and sisters round about us. And, and move through us, Lord, in a way that brings glory to your name, that leads other people to say, wow, we've never seen anything like this. And we pray, Lord God, all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.